Previously, on Splinters of a Broken Sun. Please, please be careful out there. It's like nothing you've ever seen. The ship has a force field. I was able to kind of move it into a shape. She used it to pick up an auditor and throw it up. Up? Yeah. So, so that's how the sun broke. I'll look over at Emran and go, told you it wasn't me. I'm learning all sorts of things from you two today. You look down and you can start to see the edges of the domain of Gov. You can see the huge walls that surround the entirety of the domain. One of the impact points is inside those walls. The other four of the splinters that fell all fell outside of the domain. You are now going directly across the city, Bodhi, city of 50,000 souls at the heart of Gov's domain. The spire in the center of it reaches up higher than anything else towards the sky. I think maybe we should put on shields. <laughs> the ship responding to that puts on its shields, but that leads to a bit of a glow. And then there are shots chasing you, but you are able to send the ship into a series of sort of dancing spins and whirls and slight banks so that each shot completely misses the ship. There is a large hole in the ground. Emran reaches into his mix of fanny pack, snaps a glow stick, and throws it into the borehole. The walls look as if they are melted. The melting pattern here, it's weird. Yeah? If this was just shot straight down, it, we shouldn't have an angle. I wonder why there's just waves of rock. The heat would have had to be insane. Keva, your foot goes in further than you thought it would. There's a hole over here. All right, I'll scan it. Yeah, I'd like to go. I'll follow in as well. On the ground, a pair of mounds that are slightly larger than uh, a person. Uh-huh. Zonin, you better get on your tinfoil hat because I smell a conspiracy. Now, each one of these mounds has, at the end of it, there's a thing driven into the ground. These are like weapons. I saw them in one of the books back at the hub. What do you think is in these mounds, then? You eventually see a mummified human face. Ah! Ah! They've never seen a decomposed dead body before. Keva's gonna take the two necklaces. Whoever they were, people didn't want them to be forgotten because they left their names behind. As you press the button, a holographic image appears above the tag. It's a woman with strange yellow hair and her eyes are blue, but you hear a voice, Sosimo. K, Commander. Sosimo, like lean. Whoever made this hole was coming from the outside of the station in. Some of the pieces are coming together. Maybe a third faction, other invaders from before, or maybe people who were left out when the church shut everything up, fought their way inside. I don't know who would want to come in here. Maybe it was the only, only place in the whole system that humans could live. You come across three more of these side passages, each one with between one to three graves in it. You can finally see a real sky, though in this case, it's what's beyond the sky. As you look out from the edge of your world and you see, for the very first time in your lives, the stars. Welcome back to Splinters of a Broken Sun, an actual play podcast featuring the fake core system in a unique, original, fun, and exciting setting. We are today entering Chapter 9, so if you've stuck with us this long, thank you and welcome, and we hope that you've enjoyed the ride. That ride, of course, is crewed by a group of indomitable adventurers. First up, we've got Keekers. Greetings and salutations. I am Keekers. I play Keva Jarma, and by now y'all should know who she is. She's the, well, caretaker and just general uh, caring person on this team. All right, and we've also got OG Brown Sugar with us. Hello, everyone. I'm OG Brown Sugar, and I play Maeve Santis, the mother of spiders. Welcome. And we've got Salas Dreas. Howdy, everybody. I also go by Mike Blood. And uh, I play Emran Pak, the, the team Space Marine, hopefully. And speaking of Marines, we've also got the singing chemist with us. Yes. Uh, my name is Jason. I play Zonin Chan. 
the intrepid hat maker. You can find me on Twitter at Singing Chemist, where I've been taking a inadvertent two-month hiatus trying to think of a good joke about drivers. Yep. Maybe you can work something about Marines in there so that I don't seem completely mad by the time this comes out. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. I'm sure by then it will have been a good segue. And I'm Matt. I go by ARP in many circles, or you might know me as Y Caliber. You can find me on Twitter at Y Caliber or at Broken Sun RPG, where I curate the show's Twitter feed. Today we are in space. Come on and slam, and welcome to the jam. Uh, yeah. So you made your way down or perhaps up or at least out through a long borehole leading from a place far outside the church's domain to the surface of the station. During that climb, you came across several side tunnels which were filled with graves. Of course, graves are a foreign concept to your culture, but you found holes in the ground with dead bodies in them, so, you know, it makes a certain amount of sense after a while. And you also figured out that this hole was leading from the outside in. So somebody came into the station through it, though it's difficult to say how many of people survived given the number of dead bodies you found along the path. Notably, one of the dead bodies closest to the surface of the inside of the station was a Sosimo, which you recognized as Lean's last name. So there may be a connection there, or it could just be a coincidence. When you reached the edge of the station, or the edge of space as it were, you found a tattered old tarp with a symbol you did not recognize on it. And what do you do? Can I take note of what this symbol is, what it looks like? Sure, you could take a picture or you could make a sketch. So uh, the suit is capable of taking a picture? Why not? Okay, Kevin takes a picture. You now have a picture. It has a very long and complicated file name, .png. Oh, I'm so glad that that has remained constant. Uh, can I, I'll take a look at this flag and maybe ask Matt Damon if he's seen the seen it before. Well, uh, it looks like some stars and those are some lines. Uh, it's a flag maybe, or a symbol, uh, maybe a logo. It's just stars, stars? Some of them, sure. Okay, and lines, stars and lines couple of them. Looks like there's maybe a few different symbols combined together here. I don't know. I'm not an artist. Okay. Hey, that's that's fair. You're more of an artiste. I get that. I only deal in artisanal death. I'll uh, stop talking to Matt Damon now. That was exquisite. So this tarp is, uh, it's not in the greatest shape in the world, but it is preventing you from getting out onto the surface. You can see strange lights in the expanse of darkness beyond the tarp through the holes but it's all it's it's all very unusual to you. Um, what's the gravity at this point? Are we pretty like floaty? Right now, because you are getting towards the surface here, yeah, it is your relative weight, I suppose, is considerably lower, and there's less pulling you. It's been a strange experience on your way down through this bore, and that you started off sort of like climbing down, and now at this point it's like nothing's really pulling you down. You're starting to feel a bit like you're underwater and you have to use the uh, thrusters in the shoulders of your big space suits to keep yourself pointed towards the exit. Okay, so the, the only thing in our way is this tarp? Yep. And uh, I take it no one has traveled through this tarp before and seeing as how I have a thirst for firsts, I'm going to run through that tarp like a high school football guy uh, running through the school banner. Okay. To get through this tarp, you're going to need a fair athletics check and overcome this obstacle with, with your athletics. Okay. Hold on one second. Oh, that's okay. fair. That's good. Yeah, that's good. With your, your good roll there, you are able to burst through the center of the tarp. And uh, the only thing that keeps you from just continuing for who knows how long is that you're still tethered to some spider silk. So you fly out uh, a few meters and then instead of tumbling off into the vastness of space forever, you just sort of get, uh, now you're like a balloon at the end of a string, drifting slowly back and forth. Oh man, so I'm kind of like uh, Winnie the Pooh in a blustery day when he's tied to a balloon and he's a rain cloud? It's sort of the opposite. Um, and you do look a little bit more like a rain cloud than Winnie the Pooh himself did. Okay, good. Um, awesome. Uh, this is a jarring experience for Zonin, and he is thrilled, delighted, and nauseous. You can see through your helmet 
these pinpricks of white light sort of scattered across the blackness of the sky, uh, something that you have not seen before. Perhaps you can put together, based on your discussions with Hub in the past, that these are what they call stars. These are stars. Do they look anything like the tarp I just ran through? They were both white, but the ones on the tarp were all pointy and jagged, and these just look like pinpricks. Oh, okay. Uh, I'll, I'll call back to everybody, like, hey, you've got to come see this. This is incredible. And Can... we're going to uh, trod carefully forward. If by trod, you mean float. I will engage all of my all scanners. I'm not walking out there blind. Okay. Your scanners and the uh, the dish on top of your suit's head starts to slowly rotate as it comes fully online. And you get a series of different readouts that are telling you that there's a bunch of different mineral compositions around you and different types of metals. Uh, but it seems like the majority of the stuff out here is uh, rock, which you were not expecting, but is one of the possibilities that Hub gave you. If one of the possibilities that Hub said was that perhaps somebody had coated the outside of the station in a bunch of garbage too, like they did the inside, and that appears to be what has happened. Oh, okay. Um, so it's just kind of like a hole, and Zonin is just kind of floating out there? Yep. I'm also giggling like a child. He's currently about 10 to 15 feet above the surface of the station here. Okay, so uh, Keva as I mentioned last time, is kind of starry-eyed about the pin pricks of light, and she's gonna, like, try to, like, she doesn't trust the free floating yet, so she's gonna try to, like, calmly crawl up the side of it, up the side of the borehole. Mm -hmm. And then when she's out there, I guess it'd be a good idea if maybe, like, she could use some tools to try to put in a new, like, stake and a cord or whatever so that we won't be free-floating from the side since we have to walk on the side of this. Mm -hmm. As you are making your way up to the surface here, uh, you do start to notice that there is a bit of motion happening. You can see that very slowly but still noticeably, the positions of these pinpricks that you see up in the sky is changing. Okay. Just to keep in mind as you're making your way up there. Yeah, okay. Uh, so, which type of suit do, did you have again? What was the base model? Yeah, I... <laughs> obviously, Maeve is the only one with a scanner. Um, Keva would probably go with the one with the most tools, then. Okay, so probably the maintenance or the construction. Uh, maintenance would be the most tools for repairing stuff. The construction is the most tools for building or breaking things. Oh, building or breaking, probably. All right, so with your construction suit, then you've probably got one of those uh, rivet guns that we were talking about before can use that to drive a tether into the ground, uh, which you can, I guess, tie the spider silk to, or did you bring a different tether? Well, I imagine that um, we would have... So these suits don't come equipped with, like, the space tether things that they use in uh, <sighs> the space station or anything like that? They have lines. The question is if they'll be long enough to reach from here all the way to where you need to go. I guess... Um, hmm... I'm trying to figure out, would we have cord that would be strong enough for this? Yeah, maybe. You'll have to, you know, you'll have to test it out. You've got the length of spider silk that you could maybe reel up from all the way back inside the station. That might be long enough. You've got the tethers on your suits that can probably reach a distance of up to about 250 meters. And maybe you brought other supplies. I don't know. Okay, so Keva's gonna, like, tether herself to the side with her suit reel and then start pulling up the spider silk. Okay. And we will follow suit. Okay. So while the two of you are working on that, uh, it's going to take a bit to reel it up because it's a long distance of spider silk that you've uh, let down. Maeve, you can only very distantly grasp the thoughts of those spiders because they're very far away now. But uh, do you want to have them detach that silk or what do you want to have them do? Or I'll have them detach the silk that they're rolling up and then maybe see if I can get them to uh, start dropping more for the way back. Okay, so they begin working on that as you commanded. Zonin, as you are, you're still sort of floating up there? You bet. Okay, you start floating up a little higher as the tether is detached from the spider butt way back up there. So you're starting to float further up into the sky above the station now. 
Uh, I will start freaking out and pulling on my spider silk tether in an attempt to pull myself down. Okay. Uh, You're pulling on the spider silk tether and you are getting more and more slack because it is not attached to anything. I shout to my colleagues and say, uh, little help, little help. Emerson will try and grab his line and reel him back in. Okay. Yeah, Kev as well. <laughs> okay. No, we just let Zonin go out into space. Goodbye, Zonin. I have this coming. <laughs> You will meet the sweet embrace of death and air loss. Okay. Would you would you like an athletics check for that? Yeah, you give me an athletics check and you'll get a plus one for help from Keva. That's a good roll. That was a good roll and that's what you needed. I forgot to mention that. I apologize. But yes, a good roll allows you to grab the tether. You've tied the requirement of a good roll there. So you can, you can grab him and start pulling him down, but uh, at a cost. And the cost here would just be simple. You'd sprain your arms a little bit so you take a little boost on yourself that would say sprained shoulder or could i invoke extremely strong smith for two points yeah you can of course always do that and that is what i will do bringing it up to a five okay uh and zonin you'll want to make a note that you were the danger that you put yourself in there was a direct result of your thirst for first so that will be a fate point for you at the end of this scene all right thank you all right, so you start pulling, uh, reeling Zonin down to the surface, and you can feel that it's not actually that hard to pull him down. He doesn't seem to weigh much in this environment. At the same time, it is more difficult for you to brace yourself on the ground here. You find yourself having to use the uh, sort of the spikes that are built into your boots to keep yourself attached to the ground. Okay. So it's not magnetic uh, foot bearings. It's more like uh, little spikes, okay? Yeah, it might be magnetic if the surface were metallic, which was the the hoped-for experience, but it appears to be rocky, so it's using spikes instead. Like uh, loggers' boots or whatever? Yeah. Cool. Can I look up and, like, try to, like... (laughs) See if I discern any patterns in the stars. You can try, but it it would only be some patterns that you might imagine at this point. So it's not really something that it would have you roll for. It's uh, just something that Keva would sort of make up in her head or imagine right. that she saw in her. Humans are good at finding Humans patterns are- even where none exist. Exactly. That's how the constellations got made in the first place, pretty much. Too bad Kevin won't know what Aries looks like at this point. <laughs> what else do I see? Any planets or other giant rocks? Things are pretty far apart in the asteroid belt to the point where seeing another asteroid is, you know, it's still a pretty cool event. But you do see some shapes that are moving in front of these pinpricks uh, in the distance, like different shapes against the darkness. And as the station apparently continues to rotate you do see up in the sky sort of directly above you there's a brighter pinprick than the others and it's uh, a little bit larger it's about the size of maybe your thumb if you well no actually from this distance the the tip of your pinky finger if you held it up in the sky it would be about the same size as that so it's still considerably larger than all the other stars i guess that must be soul that hub was talking about Keva says as she continues to roll up the spider silk. Once Emran has a good spool of like of Zonin's line, he'll uh, he'll rivet him into the side of the the borehole until we can get outside. Okay, he is so tethered. Thank you. Quite welcome. Along with uh, Sol, you do start to see there is a a shape that is larger than the others, but not because it's closer, just because it appears to be bigger that is uh, not too far away from that star. It's a large, roughly spherical shape. Keva is not going to point out that as much. She's just going to wonder if that's a planet. I'll ask Matt Damon, what is that giant thing? A ball? Matt Damon, have I ever told you lately how much I appreciate your insight? Uh, Not as much as you should. Well, here's to you, kid. All right, then. Anything else you need, you, you know where I am. This is pretty wild, though, eh? No, this is this is crazy. What, uh, tell me more about that uh, bright thing. I couldn't tell you much. Um, maybe somebody hung a light real high up in the ceiling there. Uh, now, is Matt Damon feeding off of that energy at all? You start to see a very weak charge beginning. Okay. So even though this is like direct source, 
um, I guess, like what powers auditors is not necessarily true solar power. Is that fair to say? It's very far away and not concentrated. Oh, okay. Okay. Gotcha. If uh, Keva hadn't already been told that these were stars, she now thinks that maybe she would have thought that they were fireflies stuck some the big bluish black thing up there. Hmm. Could well be. Some of them appear to be sort of getting very, very slightly brighter and dimmer on a regular basis. It could just be a trick of your eyes, though. So all around you, as you are standing on the surface of the station here, you see this expanse of rocks, dust, lots of gray, and everything looks very sharp and harsh. Uh, there's no, well, some of your characters may or may not know it's because there's no atmosphere here uh, to sort of obscure or soften the view of anything. So everything is just very sharp and it's difficult to tell distance. It's harder to tell how far away things are here than it was back inside. So um, Hub had told us, obviously, that our mission was to try to find, like, uh, access or uh, the, what's the word? There are supposed to be uh, still functioning solar panels somewhere on the surface in this area. And then we're hot wiring them. Okay. But um, what did Hub tell us, like, Obviously, Hub had foreseen that it would be possible that this surface would be covered with rock as well and dust. So if that was the case, did they tell us, like, give us different instructions or no? Well, the instructions are the same. Try to find a power source, most likely solar panels, and hook up Hub's feed to it. Well, I'll ask Matt Damon to uh, be on all alert for solar panels if he can be scanning. Okay. Um, so Matt Damon, I guess you uploaded some idea of what a solar panel is into his brain. Yeah, I would have uh, asked kind of Hub to to give Matt Damon the lowdown before we left. I would imagine. Okay. All right, I'll keep a lookout. I obnoxiously check in with him every minute or so. He is responds in pretty much the exact same way every single time to the point where it's like you know in a, a JRPG when you're talking to an NPC. There are no panels nearby. There are no panels nearby. All right. I don't yield. I still do it, but like we'll continue to do other things in the interim. Of course. So are are we all spooled and tethered now? Sure. Maeve, were you going to say something? Oh, I was just going to say that I'm I'm still doing like constant scans, but specifically for anything that I think would be the panels or anything electrical-ish. Okay. Uh, you have a rough idea of which way you should go based on the map of the station exterior that Hub gave to all of you. It's not perfect because, again, somebody's covered this in rocks and dirt and stuff, but uh, you have a general direction in which you need to go. I guess relative to you, it would be on the compasses that you have, there's a specific heading uh, that tells you it should be in this direction. Oh, so our waypoint. Yeah. All right. I absolutely head in that direction. Okay. So you're on the move? Yep. Yeah. I'm, I'm, this yeah. has all been very fascinating. I'm like eager to explore. So movement on the surface is very strange and different. It's very uh, springy. It's difficult to just take a step because every time you release the spikes in your boots, which they do automatically, you start to float a little bit and you kind of have to use this bouncing gait, uh, almost like you're skipping to keep yourself moving in the direction you want. So I'm going to need uh, some athletics checks from everybody to see how you progress. And the goal for this is to get an average, get an average athletics overcome in order to be able to across the surface. Would this movement be best described as flouncy, pouncy, trouncy, or bouncy? I would say it's mostly bouncy with a bit of flouncy. Is it fair to say that it is most definitely fun, 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 fun? Well, uh, I guess that depends on how you're doing with it. For example, it seems like Keva might be having some difficulty mastering this type of movement. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, I just imagine that she, like, kind of tries to, like, jump and then kind of, like, somehow, like, I know there isn't gravity, but it's just kind of, like, her own, like, bounce and then kind of, like, somehow smashes into the side. It's an unpleasant experience for you as you impact the uh, a couple of sort of not really sharp rocks, but rocks. Uh, the rocks crumble underneath the weight of the impact and the uh, structural rigidity of your suit, but it is enough to cause you 
uh, to feel a little rattled and you take uh, two shifts of strain from the experience of getting rattled around inside your suit. Maeve, you're also having some difficulty doing this type of walk, which isn't really surprising given what happened to your knee recently. Uh, so you are also, as you are moving along the surface, sorry, unless either of you wants to use your fate points or anything. I'll just float. Someone drag me like a kite. So you're, <laughs> you're floating along and the experience is unpleasant and it's a little disorienting leading you to take a mental strain from that. Yeah, I just took the strain, the two strain from the smashing into the... <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, some bumps and bruises, you know, it's going to leave a mark, but you're not, uh, you're not unable to move or anything. It was just an unpleasant and jarring experience. I imagine that now Keva fully uh, appreciates gravity. <laughs> I should hope so. And Emrin, uh, you succeeded with style, so you get the boost well-grounded. Which is true. He is obviously the most calm and collected member of the party. And you're sort of towing uh, Maeve along like a parade float. This is my friend the kite. As the disc continues to whir, you can see that the composition of the surface here is unusual. It's a lot of different types of rock and mineral and metals and stuff that appear to have been sort of haphazardly just dumped along here and uh, attached somehow, maybe with some type of adhesive or something. It's hard to say, but uh, you can see that well below the surface, it's about, well, maybe not well below, but about uh, 15 meters down is where the actual hull of the station begins. So it's a pretty decent layer of stuff that they've put around here. Although occasionally you do see that there are places that are, you know, they've been impacted by a micrometeorite or something, or maybe they weren't properly covered in the first place. But there are some sections of the surface here where you can see into the blackness leading down to the station hull below, and you can see like impact points or points of damage where the, uh, the rocky cover is either not there or has been blasted away. Keva starts humming like this, just this song that feels appropriate, like It's a legally distinct melody, I'm sure. And <laughs> as you are uh, being floated along here, let's see. Maeve, can you do a notice overcome for me, please? And I would like it to be a fair one. Sure. Thanks. Perfect. <laughs> um, no. Not quite fair there. You think that there might have been something, but uh, it may have probably just a blip on your sensors. I will reroll using my uh, Seeker of Truth aspect. Okay. The blip on your sensors grabs your interest, and you... Uh, Take a closer look at that blip on the data, and you find that it is telling you that there are rare elements just over the ridge of what appears to be a crater's um, collar, caldera, you know, the rim of a crater nearby. Elements that you might associate with a uh, man-made structure, but not the station itself. Are they in the general direction in which we're supposed to be headed? It's not too far off course. You could probably get there in about 10, 15 minutes. I will suggest that we check it out. Do we have enough air to do so? I'm just going to say at this point in the future, you don't really need to worry about that for a long time. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> so Excellent. Keva will be like, oh, okay, sure. All right. I uh, will first check in with Matt Damon to see if there are any solar panels around. There are no solar panels nearby. Uh, I guess. Let's go give it a shot. Yeah, Emron will uh, offer his... Uh, his uh, agreement. Um, and also just to be sure, I will be asking that to Matt Damon 10 to 15 times over the journey to these craters. Yeah, I'll just edit him in uh, saying, there are no solar panels nearby 15 times. Perfect. This is good our, listeners, our listeners will love that. Absolutely. Uh, so you make your way across the rocky surface and over the uh, rim which is actually fairly easy for you to do this time. It's not like back inside the station when you were trying to climb the rim of the crater uh, four years ago now, because there's no gravity. The tricky part is just getting back down afterwards, but you're able to use the jets and thrusters in your shoulders to get you back to the ground. And you see a large metallic skeleton sticking out of the ground, 
and various bits and pieces of large metallic equipment strewn about it all around this crater. It appears to be what caused this impact. Is it structurally similar to the chicken ship? Not particularly, but the skeleton would be maybe a similar size, but it does actually look like it might even be bigger based on the size of the uh, of the skeletal structure here. It's just beams, like it doesn't have any panels on it. It looks like if it was a ship at some point, it it has long since been scavenged or worn away to almost nothing. If you'd like to uh, try and notice some stuff around here, you are more than welcome to. I would like to survey the area. I would okay. like to help her by uh, pointing. Never mind. I don't have a reason, but I'd like to help. Yeah, you can look around. Okay. And with uh, Amran's help, that would make it a good notice overcome. So you... Uh, are sort of sifting through the debris here, and there's different types of of metal, and it's not too difficult to pick it up, obviously, because of the lack of gravity. But again, you have to be very careful with how you're moving it, because of the lack of weight, it's easy to over-exaggerate how you're moving stuff around, which could lead to some injuries, but you're able to avoid that. You see that same symbol again on a sort of flap of metal hull plating that appears to be left, and um, you will notice that it is, in fact, uh, SGM, and you can see most of the logo on this scrap of what you would guess is ship hull. Emran, you should totally try to look out through that. Perhaps. Could strain myself doing it, though. We could also use it I wonder to repair if... our ship's hull. That's a very good point, but I was... might be difficult to get it back down the borehole. Or up, I'm not sure. Uh, can I lift it? Of course. You're in space. The difficulty in space is not the weight of things that you're lifting or moving, it's making sure they go where you want them to and only there. Okay. There's very little, like there's a little bit of gravity that will pull stuff back down towards the surface of the station due to the size and the rotation of the, of the station, but it's it's very weak. In theory, if I grabbed like a, a chunk of hull and then I spun around a bunch and then kind of like let it go loose, like just let it fly and then but hold on to it at the same time. Could I like soar along the surface Superman style? Uh, yeah, you could. Uh, again, the difficulty would be stopping without cutting your own head off. Yeah. I mean, that's, well, that's the difficulty of anything really. <laughs> or, you know, not throwing up. That might happen too. You never know. Okay. Well, I'm going to save... simultaneous event of both. <laughs> I'll save the, uh, trying that for later. Okay. Uh, but Emran, Yes. Even though this is uh, a really an awkward looking piece of metal, uh, it, it might come in handy later. So you, you might be compelled to bring it along with you, even though it could cause some difficulty in transporting it. That's true. But I see the hands of the devil and I accept them. I will I will take that compel and okay. secure it to my, my massive tool belt. Okay. Uh, so you want to say you like attach it to your tether or something? Uh, yeah, I think I'll wrap it up in some of my line. Okay. Uh, the section of hull that you have attached to you now is about the size, like the size uh, of about two and a half meters in each direction. So it's a fairly large piece of hull, and the difficulty will be ensuring that it is not waving around and causing havoc as you are moving and walking along, because it will want to do that. Uh, Emron will, will, will scold it for misbehaving. It's a little over eight feet in uh, dimension. Yep. So almost as tall as the suits. Mm -hmm. Okay, anything else you all want to do here? It doesn't appear to be any intact electronics or circuitry or anything. Uh, either this was very thoroughly scavenged by whoever came in this ship, or it disintegrated on impact, and this is all that's left. It's difficult to tell. Um, Keva's going to feel bad because it's not another friend she can communicate with. Yeah. No more, no robot friend. Uh, are there any um, scraps that look almost half spherical? Half spherical scraps of what? Just metal or metal, SGM? Yeah. Or um, sure. Yeah, I'm just feeling a little like out of my element, so I'm going to grab a uh, half spherical piece of metal and put it on the uh, helmet on my helmet on my helmet. Right. So you use some of the, I guess, adhesive tape that's in your toolkit to tape this to your head, so it looks like there is a bowl that doesn't quite fit on top of the bowl of your helmet, on top of your hat, yeah. with your helmet in Yes. It. So, yeah, just to be clear for the visual picture, I am Zonin wearing an auditor's helmet inside of a flesh-colored Matt Damon suit wearing a bowl. Yes. 
Okay, perfect. Exactly what I wanted. There you go. Yeah, so the question is, so Zonin isn't always wearing a hat also? Well, I mean, I am wearing a hat and there's a hat on my hat. But because the hat on my hat is in the shape of a head, I felt it needed a hat. Yeah, no, I get it. But I was talking about the the hat under the helmet in the shape of a head, under the helmet in the shape of a head, under a hat. Okay, I'm lost. I no, I no longer wish to play. I will be leaving. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, talking... <laughs> I'm talking about, does Zodin wear a hat under the Matt Damon helmet? No, it's one or the other. Okay. Because uh, for you listeners at home, the icon always has a, a zone in. He always has like a bandana e hat thing on. And I'm just wondering, is that just always under another hat? Yes. So he is wearing a bandana. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But a bandana is not really a hat, is it? A I hat. would not count it as a hat. It please. Doesn't, doesn't cover please, the no. whole top of the head. So No more, it's... please. <laughs> no, it, it, but it is obscuring a small hat. <laughs> All right. So you leave the crash site. Wait, before we leave, I'm sorry, Matt. Yep. Um, could Emran make a notice roll to try and reason out if the ship's positioning would tell us whether or not it caused the crater? Uh, I think that would want to be an investigate. I think I'll give that a shot. Okay. I'll help. Sounds good. And you'll need a uh, fair investigate. Excellent. As you all know, Emran, very good at investigating things. Team detective. Excellent. I got um, a, a negative one. Okay. Clearly, he's more like the brawn of our investigated mystery gang group. <laughs> so you're looking around, and you look at the ship in the center of this crater, and you think, oh, maybe, but can't quite really pin that one down. I'll just put on the list of things Emran hasn't figured out yet. So... As you are going over the, or trudging towards the edge of this uh, crater again, the, we get sort of a screen wipe and we transition into a new scene of you walking towards the solar panels. So uh, if you had stress from the previous scene, you may clear that because you've had some time in walking uh, in between scenes here to clear that. And if you received a compel, make sure that you add a fate point to your time. Trying to be better about scenes now. Mm. So basically, Keva walked it off. Yeah. Do our fate points refresh? Uh, they don't. They only refresh each session. But at the end of a scene, gotcha. if you got a compel during that scene, you get a point at the end of the scene. Yay. Excellent. So you're continuing to trudge, uh, well, bounce your way across the surface. And it's still like a very unsettling experience for you, even though you've been at it for about an hour now. It's, uh, I mean, it's still unusual for you. This isn't the kind of thing that you normally do in your day-to-day -day life. Uh, even if your day-to-day -day life is a little bit hectic and already more extra than you thought it would be when you were younger. Well, there's always still dairy products. Um, are we starting to get hungry? <laughs> I don't know. Are you? Emran will have uh, slurped the delicious gogurt by now. Okay. You have some of the gogurt. A tube extends from a corner of your helmet into your mouth and expels gogurt over your tongue. This is the greatest game I've ever played. Thank you, Matt, for facilitating this. No problem. <laughs> yeah, so how much money is Keva going to make when she uh, puts in the patent for her gogurt? <laughs> oh, I guess only time will tell. It depends on the level of demand. As someone who's lactose intolerant, the opportunity to role play having yogurt is the greatest thing. Thank you. Oh, well, same thing. Same thing here, only on the different end of the stick. Same stick, different end, the allergy stick, or the not able to have dairy stick. The other end, one end is lactose intolerance, and the other end is dairy allergy or cow milk allergy. It's like the opposite. I thought you were going to say you're like lactose hyper tolerant or lactose reliant. <laughs> Yeah, nope, no, 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 lactose can literally get away with it. My body. <laughs> lactose can get away with anything when it comes to geekers. Uh, it's not the lactose that bothers me. It's the protein uh. of the milk. <laughs> so for any of you out there, any of you listeners who are like, what? Yeah, geekers can't have cow's milk, but it makes sense because Keva makes sheep's uh, and uh, goat milk stuff. So, you know. Also, Keekers, not a cow. No, I'm, I am not a cow. 
So, I mean, when you think about it, it's really weird that we drink cow's milk anyway. It's not wrong. True enough. Not not wrong at all, but by God, nothing will stop me from eating entire bags of cheese at three in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) What a time-appropriate snack. I know. I mean, though, but seriously, though, the moon is made of cheese, right? So, and... We're, We're standing on space cheese. Exactly. So what I said was true from a certain point of view. Yeah, here with your pseudo-philosophy. So uh, space goats. One of the things that's odd for you here is that the horizon is opposite from what you're used to seeing. In your day-to-day life, the horizon curves up on either side and a little bit up towards you uh, at the edge of the horizon. And here, the horizon curves down. You see the edge of the station, and it's like a, a bowl that somebody's inverted. It's like one of Zonin's hats. So the, the very edge of the station curves away from you. So that's also going to be uh, disconcerting and unsettling for you. It's one of the reasons this show wouldn't or this show wouldn't work in a visual medium very well is that it would be pretty obvious to the audience from the first episode that the characters live in a ring. All right. Would it? I guess it depends on how you shoot it. Uh, but blocking that horizon. <laughs> Just nonstop lateness close ups. Uh, So blocking this strange horizon is a series of hills or mountains where more debris and junk has piled up than elsewhere. And you need to get past these to get where you're going. Before we start trying to get through the debris, can I attune my scanner somehow to, like, keep me extra alerted to any more GSM? Sure. Uh, If you can give me a fair lore roll. And you did. So, yes, your... Sensors are now focused more on looking for the GSM, uh, and they'll give you a special ping if there's any of it nearby. So, mountains. Can I, I mean, depending on how the scanner works, can I try to figure out what the best route might be to get through these? You can use the scanners to try and construct like a 3D view of these of these hills or mountains using, I guess, uh, seismographic, is that the word? Or maybe a radar ping as well? Topographic? That's the one I wanted. You could do like a topographic model of it by tapping into the ground and sending pulses through it to figure out what the shape of the terrain ahead is. Oh, like the earthbender? Yeah, like that. I'll do that. What should I roll? Hmm, good question. Let me look through the list of skills. Uh, investigate. Makes sense to me. Okay, you got it. So you make a map of what these hills and mountains look like. It's not perfect, but it does show you the, the general shape of them. And you could maybe use that to find the best way to climb them. Uh, use fate points to like make things be there? Yeah, within reason. Oh, so I can't just make a tunnel? What kind of tunnel are you looking for? Does it go all the way through? Does it go under? Yeah, no, it's just uh, a well-supported cylindrical opening straight through one of the mountains. It's very safe. Or it could always be just a pass over the mountain, like an easier like area. Okay. Uh, if you spend a fate point, Zonin, I will say that there is a tunnel partway up one of the mountains that probably leads all the way through. Okay, I'll expand that fate point. Um, I guess, like, would I, well, how would I be able to communicate that? Because I'm not seeing the topographic image. I would Maeve have sent us over the, uh, the topographic scale. I just kind of assumed it was out there and, like, she airdropped it to you or whatever. Perfect. Oh. For sure. Then, yeah, I'll expand the fate point um, just for safe passage. Okay. So you're, you're looking at the mountain, and how is it that you notice this tunnel? Yeah, I'm looking at the mountain, and I just kind of, I, I notice that uh, there's different densities, and um, like it doesn't look like a, a, full, a fully solid structure. And so looking at the topographic uh, scale, I'm just trying to find the fastest path, and I see, you know, a robot humanoid robot shaped or sized opening and uh you know i kind of do one of those minority report hand wavy things to manipulate the image that is being projected in front of me for some reason and then i enhance and i enhance further and i see that there's a little tunnel um, that we might be able to make it through i assume there would be enhancing involved yes would it also be possible that like matt damon would help you see that or not he might. I don't know if he's like a little annoyed yet uh, that I keep asking him the same question over and over. He's uh, He helps you zero in on the tunnel entrance and says, uh, it's not a solar panel, but maybe they'll like this. All right, that's helpful. 
Kevin's going to look at the mountain with the pass and just be like, we're going to call that Needle Mountain because it has an eye. You tag that on your map? Yeah. That's just what she decided to name it. You see on your map in front of you, it says Keva is typing and then Needle Mountain tag appears next to that. My God, it's just Google Hangouts, but in a space suit. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So is, uh, what do all of you think about this? Uh, Can Emran do some quick maths to determine whether or not casting his lineup will allow him to reverse repel up the side of it? I guess climbing. Climbing would be the word that I'm looking for. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Wow. I mean... (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Oh, gosh. I'm signing off, guys. It's been great. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I might have to reverse repel. I can climb. In space, uh, it could technically be repelling upside down, but you would have to get your line up up there. Could I? Oh boy, could I? I have a stunt that says I'm always making useful things, so perhaps one of my rivet shots is a a grapple hook of sorts. Okay. Are you sure you don't, it's not technically a hook shot? Uh, Let's go with the Legend of Zelda here. Are you trying to shoot your line up to the edge of the tunnel or up to the whole top of the mountain? Uh, Just to the tunnel, not to the top of the mountain. Okay. To make this shot, you're going to need to shoot, obviously. And you're going to need to do a great shot. What if I told you I didn't have shoot? (laughs) I'll tell you, I hope you roll very well. Uh, I mean, I have shoot, uh, and I think we're in the same type of mech, are we not? Uh, You're in the maintenance, and he's in construction, I believe. Oh, right, right, right. Well, can I help him shoot? Like, can I I ghost him? Tell me how how you two want to do this. Could I also help, or is it limited to one person? I think two people shooting one gun is enough. Well, I just... Like, it's attached to the arm, right? Yep. So almost like, um, you know, Zach Morris might when Kelly Kapowski's bowling. You know, I, I kind of come in behind and, like, put my arm over uh, the arm and kind of, like, guide it. And you can hear, like, through space, the studio audience going, Ooh! But, um, <laughs> you know, I just do a, a just was... kind of, like, ghost. Yeah, uh... ghost. Yeah, I was just about <laughs> to say... <laughs> Hey, that's the wrong movie. Wrong yeah, Swayze. Wrong Swayze. Roadhouse. <laughs> oh. No, we never mentioned that name. I'm taking the shot. It's going to be great. Okay. So, yeah, you can roll As your you shoot. You can see, I got, a <laughs> I got a poor result. I'm too distracted by the dulcet tones of Zone and whispering <laughs> deep into my, my, my headphone ear. Yeah. And it goes wide. Keva just goes, ooh. So you fire your grapple hook from your bolt gun. And it gets sort of caught. The bolt gets caught as it fires on your tether. And the big old panel that's stuck on the tether behind you zooms up and smacks you and Zone in the back, sending you both tumbling. And Emran, you take... Oh, that's a big one. Uh, you take a, sh- a six-shift hit from the impact of that panel. How about, how about no thank you, Mr. GM? Well, you can... You should have the chance to roll your athletics to see how much you can defray that. Yeah, I think Emin is going to try and catch it like a like a horrible. This is just this. This was a stupid decision. Do a barrel roll. Gonna do an loon turn and get around it. All right, give it a try with your athletics. Boom. Okay, so you turn and you catch the panel as so you you shield Zonin from getting knocked over as you Thank catch you. the panel. It still smacks into your suit, causing you to take. One strain. I will accept the strain. How do the rest of you react to this event? Uh, Keva was very, like, <gasps> and upset. I'm used to all sorts of crashing and sounds behind me while I'm working. Since we discovered the tunnel, can I focus my efforts on kind of charting safe passage to the tunnel? Okay. Use your lore to find the best way up there by referring to your map. Babe is just done with our shit. <laughs> Uh, and you've made a fantastic lore roll when what you needed was good. So you succeed with style and you create a situation aspect here that you get a free invoke on called An Easier Path, which harkens all the way back to the first prologue. Whoa. Which means we might all die here. <laughs> Those four tries getting over that wall is exactly why I'm being kited around right now. Okay. So uh, are all four of you going to try and climb up to this tunnel following the path? Yeah, I think. Emran should go first to see if 
anyone needs a line that he can pull them up should the weaker members fall. Okay. Give me your physique, and you need a good physique roll to get up there as the first person up to overcome this obstacle of climbing on up. Oh, could I uh, help by ghost? Oh, never mind. He's How about a superb yeah. physique? Well, that succeeds. So you are able to... What does it look like as you scramble up the hill here? I think um, Maeve points out that the, the handholds most likely to support our weight in the suits and the easier path all the way up to the the mouth of the tunnel. And uh, yeah, Emran just uses the jet-assisted jumping of the of the power suit and just scrambles his way up the side. Okay. So you make your way up there and, you know, you, you sink another anchor so that uh, people are able to climb up there without causing too much uh, difficulty. But we still do need physique rolls from the other three on their way up. Oh, that's surprisingly good. Yeah, Zonin, you make it up by, you know, holding on to the silk tether, uh, Batman 66 style. Keva and Maeve are having a more difficult time of it, though. Uh, so there is one free invoke on that easier path, uh, and then the aspect will still be there if someone else wants to invoke it with a fate point. Um, I'll I'll spend the fate point since, uh, you know, that's just the way Kevin rolls. But <laughs> Kevin's just going to be like, this reminds me of when we tried to go sledding down that dune. Zonin agrees <laughs> in that he's doing it and enjoying it. Okay, so uh, you're going to re-roll, Keva, or are you adding? I just added the plus two. I okay. Just say that. Okay, that'll get you just enough to get up there, although it is a difficult climb. Sorry, I'm a little confused from earlier. Are we going head first or feet first up this mountain? Please stop. I don't want to think about it. It's entirely up to you. Everyone reverse repels up, and Emran is very confused. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Maeve, uh, do you want to re-roll or add two? Oh, I will just add two. Okay. That is also enough for you to scramble your way up the line uh, and reach the top sort of panting and sweating. For you and Keva, because this was a lot of exertion and difficult climb for you, you feel yourselves uh, sort of sweating. And as you're doing that, you feel these like a cooling... Have you ever uh, touched a jellyfish? Oh, uh, yes. I have, but not the stingers. Oh, uh, I have not touched not. one, but it touched me with the stinger part. <laughs> okay. Well, the non-stinger part of a jellyfish is this sort of like soft but slightly pliable texture, right? And you feel that come out and across your face and the other parts where you're, of your body where you're sweating. And when that sensation passes, the sweat has been reabsorbed into the suit's uh, water filtration system. And it's this jelly-like or biomechanical cloth that extends over sweat and uh, other bodily fluids to absorb them into the suit and turn them back into water. Uh, Kevin, like, freaks out, like, tricks from this, like, ah, ah. It's a weird feeling. All right. And you are at the mouth of this tunnel. It is dark inside. It's a little bit foreboding. Emran turns on the suit's light. All right, the light extends uh, a distance into the tunnel. You can see maybe 10 feet ahead of you before the light is swallowed by the darkness. Keva Jeez, looks around. Oh, sorry. Keva looks around to make sure that it's not actually a giant animal or a creature's mouth. Okay, and do an investigate roll. As far as you can tell, it is not a creature's mouth. Okay, Keva breathes, breathes a sigh of relief. Ugh. You don't see any teeth. You don't see any glistening signs of moisture or, you know, fleshy throat stuff. None of that. Okay, guys, it's not a monster's mouth. Emran will step inside. Okay. I will follow through, engaging all sensors. Zonin steps in as well. Okay. Uh, so the tunnel is cramped. So your sensors, as they are spinning, they're sort of scraping against the sides of the of the tunnel here. And some parts are narrower than others because it's this is not a man-made tunnel. Sorry, I should say this is not an artificial constructed tunnel. I shouldn't be using that kind of language, man-made. It's not a constructed tunnel, so it is just a haphazard formation that happens to be, for the most part, large enough for you to stand up and walk through in these suits. Uh, but there are portions where you have to crouch and such. And the deeper you get in, the more oppressive and sort of claustrophobic this experience feels. Because when you turn around at a certain point, you can't see the exit anymore, or you can't see the entrance anymore. And when you look for the exit, you know, you sort of just have to take on faith 
that the the mapping that you did uh, was accurate and that there is a way out but it's it, it's uncomfortable and it's cramped and it's hard to get through in several different parts and as you're walking through the darkness does seem to close in on you until you start to hear some sounds oh no is it whistling it's whistling isn't it one of the sounds you hear might be whistling it's the seven dwarves isn't it i knew it you can hear space dwarves uh you can hear distant whispers or maybe it's wind but why would there be wind in space uh i'm gonna ask matt Heyman, matt Heyman, matt damon to enhance the, his audio sensors and see if he can decipher what that sound is or if there is whispering if we can figure out what they're saying. I will try to pinpoint them as well. I'm not sure if I do my own rule or just help zone it out. Okay. So each of you, as you are engaging your sensors to attempt to pinpoint the location of the sounds or to enhance the sounds, are met with your systems telling you, in Matt Damon's case, uh, what sounds? And in Maeve's case, no noise detected. Matt Damon's got nothing. He's not hearing what I'm hearing. Are you hearing this? My sensor aren't picking anything up, but I hear it too. So it's not happening. Or maybe it's in our heads. Maeve, can we try and reach out with our minds? Let's give it a shot. I think we'll, we'll join hands. Okay. <laughs> uh, roll your will, whichever one of you is taking point on this. I'll take point. I think mine's higher. Okay. Very much so. You're attempting to overcome the obstacle of determining where this sound comes from. And you have rolled with your will. That's a, a fantastic will roll. You don't sense any familiar insect minds around here. And there are the occasional glints of specks of SGM out there that uh, you can see with your with your mind, Emrin. But you can tell there is something here but it is not entirely clear whether it's alive or not. And Keva couldn't, like, try to do this since she's just wholly, like, uh, not Wi-Fi, but cable. Yeah, you're Ethernet. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Are there any places to turn down in this tunnel? Like, are there side channels? Oddly enough, there are not. Well, that makes me very anxious. I don't like that at all. Keva's gonna, like, look at them and just kind of, like... Uh, and I think, like, a little bit protective and walks ahead of everyone, like, gets in front of everyone. Okay. As you step forward, the sounds intensify, and for you, Keva, the sound that you hear is hard breathing and pained moans, as well as low voices. Oh. Keva's, like, like a sharp intake of breath, like, <gasps> and is like, is anyone there? You don't hear a response. Does my survey suit have weapons? Uh, I think you you all built some type of uh, some type of bolt shooters last session, right? You that, hacked you hacked that was them. My plan. Yeah, you mm -hmm. you hacked them. So you have a crude projectile thing. Um, I'll just lock and load. Yeah, since Keva doesn't have the shoot skill, would and she has like the constructing uh, suit. Could she have like a blunt force? like object to use yeah of course you've all i mean you can bring your batons with you or you can bring like just a stick or the construction suit probably has a shovel that you can use a shovel arm that comes out of the back yeah kevin definitely is brandishing a shovel now <laughs> god gave me a gift i shovel i shovel very well thank yeah. you you're a monster thank you so much <laughs> movie holds up i think it's great each one of you are you're all hearing sounds but you're all hearing different sounds and you're starting to hear the sounds intensify for each one of you. Emran, you hear the sounds of a busy street. You hear the sounds of voices and languages that you don't necessarily understand. The sounds of feet moving and wheels. People talking in the distance. The occasional whooshing noise that you don't really recognize. Zonin, you hear the soft hiss that might be air being forced through some type of tube and the occasional beep. Okay. Maeve, you hear distant voices, people muttering, sounding very official, and gasps from time to time. And there's also an odd humming noise, like a, on the edge of your awareness. It doesn't sound organic, it sounds mechanical. And Keva... I'll try to... Go ahead. Oh, and Keva was just hearing the painful, like, moan and... The labored breathing. Yeah. And low voices. I'll try to just focus on my scanners. Do you guys hear someone moaning like they're hurt? She she says that aloud, like 
Can you guys hear someone in pain? No, no, I don't. All, all you hear is just Emran breathing. He doesn't reply. Uh, Keva, escape. when Emran doesn't, sorry, when Emran doesn't reply, like Keva, like looks at him, like to check on him. You don't see him. When you look around you, you see a sort of dense fog that wasn't there until just now that has got you isolated. It's just this dense, dark fog all around you. And all each one of you, if you look up, if you look with your actual eyes, you see the same thing and you can't see anything else. Uh, Keva starts hyperventilating. The sound of your hyperventilating breathing begins to blend with the labored breathing you can hear in your mind. And as the sounds that each one of you are hearing intensify and the fogs close in, we are going to take a break. (laughs) Yeah. I'll see you all next time. Till then, all the best. All the best. See you soon. Bye-bye.